0: Hello and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast for this week. This week we were lucky enough to have an amazing conversation with Kirsten Peterson who's worked for Olympic teams both in the US and Australia. But in the second half of this podcast you'll notice we take a slightly different tone and it's really amazing. People are very open and it's a really great chat. I hope you enjoy this. I know it's a longer one but I hope you enjoy that as well. And have a magical week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast for this week. As you'll be able to tell by the title, we are lucky enough to be joined by a guest, which is very exciting, and we've got a great conversation in store. But before we get to them, let's jump around and see what the team is up to and see how they've been going. So, Danette, I might check in with you first. How's your week been this week?
1: Actually been an interesting week, Jez. So I was supposed to go to Canberra on Monday and got over a bridge that was nearly flooded only to get maybe a kilometre down the road and got a flat tyre so came home, um, fixed flat tyre and as Graham and I were heading back from the tyre place we um, drove past, not over but drove past two enormous brown snakes one of them was at least seven foot and the other was about six I reckon no, it was not <laughs> Anyway, so that was interesting. Um that been a really good week. Um, but yes. Good. <laughs> the snake one was weird, but because I was literally about a car length apart going across the road at super duper speed. Yeah, it was
2: weird. So Just you to snaked through them, Danette, is what you're saying. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Love it, KP. (laughs) And for those
0: listening who haven't heard our guest yet, this is a very exciting little teaser trailer, so thanks for that, KP. Love that. (laughs) Um, Al, how have you been going this week?
3: I've had a quiet week this week, Jez. Following doctor's orders, I've got an ear infection, so I'm staying out of the water, which I enjoy being in the water, so I'm looking forward to next week and... For all you people back in New South Wales, it's 30 degrees up here. So I'm really looking forward to getting in the water.
0: Al, I like that you've, well, while you have an ear infection, you've chosen to do an audio medium. Pretty smart, I'd say. You're a, <laughs> you're, you're a thinker. <laughs> no, we do well, We wish you a swift recovery. Alan, thanks for being on. Thanks, um, Jess. No worries. Graham, how's your week been?
4: It was great until 13 seconds ago. Thanks for sharing that, Al. Appreciate it. Love your work. Uh, it's been good, Jess. Yeah, we, we had um, the other part of the story about the flat tyre when Danette yeah, got two minutes down the road to Canberra and turned around and came home. Uh, the other car that we have also had a flat tyre, so that was good. Um, but we got that sorted and didn't kill any snakes on the drive home, which I'm very grateful for um got to catch up with some of the kids in canberra during the week so that was nice and um yeah you know it's oh hang on it's friday isn't it i was thinking it was saturday oh that's even more exciting so there's only three more sleeps until monday folks hang in there it's coming
0: <laughs> yeah um <laughs> well thanks for that graham for reminding us the proximity of monday um, I've also, uh, <laughs> um, also my week this week, uh, we were talking about this just before, but I've got three big head wounds today, and, uh, and I got all of them on the same day, which was pretty smart of me. One, I hit my head on a box, and then later I was in the shower, and I forgot I was taller than the shower, and walked out of it straight into the roof of the shower and wall, and then uh, I was cooking dinner and had an open top shelf and hit my head on it, all within about five centimeters of each other. So pretty good day for me, that one. Um, What's well, so grain with your amount of flat ties you're talking about? At school, we used to do something called flat ties. We'd step on the back of someone's shoe and yell flat ties. Their foot would come out. And I did that once and ripped the sole of a person's shoe off. And the top of their shoe just came off. So um, that's another classic flat tie story. Um, but let's talk to our guest. Uh, KP, tell us about how your week's been this week.
2: Wow. Well, um, bummed that nobody visited me in camera on your on your epic trip. Um, and ironically enough, uh, just our car is in for service, and I we got the call today that, or a couple minutes ago, that all four of our tires need to be replaced. So I'm I'm, I'm ahead of the game, being proactive in the tire department. Uh, so interesting. I'm uh, it, for me anyway. It was fascinating. I'm becoming trained as a meditation teacher because. Um, it's a whole medium that I could go on forever about. And my second practicum, I overreached and was did a day-long retreat in nature, which for anybody on the East Coast of Australia knows that was a fraught proposition because, of course, it rained. But I had indoor facilities as well. But um, I was nervous as hell about it, so very unzen in the prep, and then was completely flattened by it. Like, how hard is meditation, please, that I had to go home at 5 o'clock and take a nap until 7.30? So um, anyway, so yeah, we just know that it's harder than it looks, I guess. So that's my week, and um, I'm really, really, I'm ha- already having a great time. So this is just bonus, whether you hear from me or not. So thanks very much for the opportunity to join you guys today.
0: Well, we're so excited to have you on, and I guess it's now given what you've you've said and what um and Graham have said, Al, it's probably time to check your tires. I think it sounds like this podcast is cursed. Um, <laughs> um well, anyway, th- first of all, that was our guest who is uh, Kirsten Peterson, aka KP. Uh, but, uh, we're so honored to have you on Kirsten, it's been Kirsten. Uh, it's been, um, <laughs> it's, I, I, um, have been really excited about this chat. You've got so many interesting parts. You've done sports psychology, you've worked with some amazing, amazing people. And as we just said, you're venturing into, uh, sci- uh into meditation, which I also kind of want to touch on now, cause I think that that's all really, really fascinating. Uh, and today you've chosen a great topic that I just thought, um, might be great for you to touch on as well. So I'm sorry, I'm offering you, I'm telling you a lot to, to speak a lot, but, um, I guess let's just start with maybe who you are and then we can get into the topic today. Sorry.
2: (laughs) Jess, I like to tell people that I've been professionally trained to speak for long periods of time without taking a breath. So this is absolutely in my wheelhouse. So don't worry about that. You guys are going to be like, Alan is even going to want to give up Zoom after this. Um... So, yeah, I, as just mentioned, I come to, I'm a performance psychologist, which means nothing because it's not a legal title, but it's, it's really uh, sports psychology on steroids in the sense that I, I, I trained and worked for over 20 years in the area of Olympic sports psychology, so worked in the U.S. You can tell from my accent I'm not from around here. Uh, So I worked in the U.S. for about 14 years with the U.S. Olympic Committee as a senior sports psychologist and then uh, quit cold turkey because uh, my daughter was then 10 and her birthday's in february which meant which was co- coincided collided with the winter olympics uh, which i realize in australia is not anything that you guys know about but there is such a thing so i missed a lot of birthdays and it got to the point where i felt like i needed to step back and do be a mom for a while that lasted six months smallfield ais australian institute of sport heard that i was unemployed and basically made me an offer that was too good to to turn down uh, first year was a complete disaster. Um, I for reasons moving, being being put in charge of a dysfunctional team who knew sports psychologists who couldn't get along with each other but nevertheless that was my situation fell apart that first year, got an executive coach, learned how to do performance management all of which has informed my practice in a big way, I think around like getting because um, I'd come from the USOC we, were, we got along. I didn't know there were people that didn't get along with people anyway. That's my history. So, in 2018, the AIS chose to diversify its, I don't know, slash its offerings, reorganize, and set a lot of sports scientists free, including me. Um, so, hence, um, it w- which has offered me the opportunity. I got to know Danette, which has been a lovely journey, and uh, and puts me here. So, I when I say performance psychology now, because I really uh, work best in performance domains where people. Um, perform under pressure and medicine, defense. I still work in sport, but finding my finding ways to filter the messages of you know how do we perform well with the getting a, without getting in our own way resonates with a lot of people mic drop. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that's it. That's
0: amazing. And what a great journey. What an interesting journey. And I, I, um, I, we're so happy to have you on. This is so exciting. And I have actually had the opportunity to listen to a couple of other um, podcasts and stuff that you've done. So I'm really excited to uh, maybe talk about some of those as well. Um, but you offered a really interesting topic that I thought was totally fascinating. And I really want to get your thoughts on why did you pick the topic, which today is long COVID without COVID.
2: Uh, well, it, it feels, it, so it's not my term even. It was a friend of mine who offered it up. So I've just been like experimenting with it, with the people I work with. And um, so I'll often start presentations with like, how has it been for you? For me, it seems like everybody's got this case along COVID without COVID. The sense of just dragging and, and forget those who were lucky enough to get into the club of COVID, of which I am one. I'm curious how many people have, you know, been, been in, members oh look at that so we're running half and half yeah yeah so graham's clark yeah i've cursed you now graham that's all right. so um and i use it as fod- you know to fodder to, to to get people to be try to open up about how they're actually doing because what i find is whether it's with individual clients or corporate groups i'm working with if you say how are you people say fine or doing okay thanks And when I, we start talking about actually and, but what's interesting is it really depends on the domain. A lot of, some people really get that and like feel like, yeah, it's just been, even though COVID is kind of in our rear view mirrors, but what they keep warning us about variants, things are sort of opening up, but I find people are tired and fuses are shorter. So it might be that I, or that, so my my wave of energy is like little less during the day. And so, um that often opens up some conversation around the stuff i do with helping people perform in a more what i call frictionless way let's make it easier then if if you're having a hard time anyway let's talk about how we can do it a little easier
0: Mm, i love that and it's so fascinating great insight and i'm so happy to talk about it today Mm. because it's definitely something i've noticed as well when you mentioned it i was like this is something that i Mm. totally resonate with um, but I think that leads us perfectly into Danette's question. So, Danette, tell us a little bit about your question and what it is and how you came to it.
1: Um, so, I I like the idea of um, understanding why what's happening is happening, um, but also then how do we actually move forward in a nicer way. So, I love that term you used, frictionless. Um, so, we'll start. So, mine's a two-parter. So, we'll start with the first one, which is why do we make it harder for ourselves?
2: I'm willing to guess that most of us don't do it on purpose. Don't get up in the morning thinking, I really, how are we on uh salty language, Jez? Can I drop an F-bomb or is that not good?
0: You can do whatever you want. All right.
2: So, you know, I don't wake up thinking, I really want to fuck up this meeting or like screw up my marital relationship for the next 48 hours, but it happens. And so the way I look at it is, we have not, unless you can t- guys can tell me because you're a surprising crew, uh, we have not been issued an instruction manual for our minds at birth. Anybody here? Uh, with that in mind, we don't know. And a lot of times we inadvertently uh, act against the best interests of how our minds and brains work and we get ourselves in our own brand of trouble. So nobody, you know, so the why is unintentional, but nevertheless it happens. And I think, That's my lever to come in and say, if I were able to help you understand how your mind works and how your brain works, how it evolved, how humans are operating, you know, what's the operating system, Um, you're going to, working with it, it's going to make things easier. So then that sort of leads
1: to my next question, which was, what are some simple tips um, to be able to make it easier on ourselves?
2: The first one I would say is to stop fighting reality. And by that, I mean too many times we get our knickers in a twist about something that is happening in our lives that we don't control. Or, you know, be it the weather, if I'm an athlete, be it COVID, when I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage, that we react to things that are simply there so the phrase I unpack with people is this idea of right now it's like this so what does that mean and so the so there are quality minds that we can cultivate just with contemplative practices like meditation that make this more accessible believe it or not you'd think reality of course it's right here we all see it it's amazing how a we don't see it sometimes and b we have even such fast knee-jerk reactions against it we don't even realize we're doing it so first of all, right now it's like this. Uh, sorry, the second part, it's like this is profound, but more complicated than you can think at times. Like right now, say we are in 2020, June, COVID's a thing. Oh, ick! Ah, I don't like it. Ooh, I can't travel. COVID's a thing. So what do we need to do? What you know? What does that feel like? I'm really anxious. Okay, let's. Where's anxiety? You know. So you there's a myriad of things that come out of that statement and our reactions to it that we want to get comfortable with. But then somebody pointed out like six months after I was playing with this sentence that the other part of it is right now. And this idea that nothing lasts forever. Again, obvious, but when say we're in the throes of anxiety, it can feel like we're in it and we never see the way out on the other end. But there's a bit of a comfort there that this too shall pass, which sounds incredibly trite. But it's important to kind of keep that perspective that even a pandemic will go away granted i don't know when but um the other thing about i mentioned anxiety emotions are meant to go like the weather that's how they are meant to be so i'll say to anyone really that if an emotional state is sticking around is sticky that that's a sign that we might want to talk to somebody about that in the sense For example, if I, the the diagnostic criteria for depression, for example, is that I'm sad more often than not for at least two weeks. So, you know, when we talk about non, when we talk about emotions sticking around, we just want to be aware of that. So the right, the right now thing, most emotional things should, you know, I'm, I'm anxious now, but I'll forget in five minutes what I was anxious about and I'll be happy to see my dog. That's how life is.
1: Nice. Thank you.
2: Sorry, I pack it in there, but is there any follow-up on that tonight? Anything occurring for you? Okay.
1: No, because I suspect it's going to come out of the other questions as well. So thank you, Kirsten. You're very welcome.
0: Yeah, well, um, I think that that actually leads really well uh, into both Graham and Alan's questions. Um, Maybe I'll, I guess, actually, let's start with Graham's. I think Graham's is a perfect question for right now.
4: Why isn't there a drum roll? There should be a drum roll. Um. <laughs> <sort> of- <laughs> My question was, um, I just looked at my question. I thought, where the hell did that come from? Because I went back and reread the the little blurb that you'd shared with Jess about uh, long COVID without COVID and and it wasn't in there. And I thought, okay, I just made it up. Awesome. But my question, the the background of my question is um, realizing a long time ago that um, finally that i was um in keeping with the olympic uh sports thing um i was an olympic class uh gold medalist in catastrophizing in fact had it been an olympic sport um i would have made michael phelps look like some kid who just splashed around at the skinny end of the pool sort of thing you know um so, oh, by the way, just to pick up on one of the other uh, things that you mentioned about Winter Olympics and and the disconnect with Australia, two words for you, KP, just two, Stephen Bradbury.
2: All right, Graham, I got to interrupt you there because I was with the American short track speed skating team when that catastrophi- you know catastrophizing event happened, <laughs> and I can tell you, I was sitting in the we have a room where. You know, Back in the day, we'd have video camera, video m- monitors on every event simultaneously. And we would put VHS tapes because we captured every bit of footage. This is what the USOC was t- to do. And to hear the level of cacophony of fuck from the American team that day on that tape is priceless. So, yes, Stephen Bradbury, Good now advantage. that I'm Australian, I can embrace him.
4: So I guess um, so. My, my question was, um, you know, what's the best tactic that you've um, you've heard of, or, or perhaps is, to um, to avoid or to minimise this whole active of um, or process of, of catastrophizing. And I, I'm also sort of thinking because uh, one of the, part of your response to Danette's question, you were talking, yeah, we were talking about this too shall pass. It is what it is. Everything changes. Um, When we get anxious, depressed, stressed, we tend to get sort of laser focused on short term. And and the idea of thinking about, well, it's probably not going to be here in a week or or a month or a year or whatever happens. So we we don't go there. But at the same time, the the act, I think, of catastrophizing is sort of projecting forwards anyway, which I'd find a bit weird. But anyway, let's talk about catastrophizing, like, um, yeah, let's do that. (laughs)
2: You said a lot in that sentence, Graham, and we may unpack a little bit of that because I'd have a lot to say about other emotions. No, that's all right. Let's see, if if you'd gotten a drum roll, we'd we'd still be listening to you, I'm sure so. Um, So first of all, I want to just normalize catastrophizing in the sense that we humans did not evolve to be happy. We evolved to survive. So if, you know, you think about those who are more likely to pass their genes on to the next generation through the millennia were the hypervigilant pessimists because they ran from all the threats. So it's very important to recognize that catastrophizing hypervigilance is we come by it very naturally. So you are not alone. Um although I'm sure you were the best at it. So we'll give you the gold medal.
4: Oh just ask um, me. Yeah. Just ask me.
2: But so when I talk to people about this, um, we acknowledge the, the normalcy of it, but we also t- think about things like, in addition to th- thinking about the worst case scenario, allow yourself to imagine that there's an array of possible outcomes. So the best case scenario may be that instead of not getting selected to the Olympic team, I win a gold medal. woohoo! But there's a myriad of things. I might make the team and come in eighth. You know, so there's, and to just allow us to consider the, the, the fullness of possibility. Um, <clears throat> but the other thing I want to say, I'm a bit of a word nerd in this space in that we do not avoid anything that our mind puts out there. Our minds are thinking machines. Catastrophizing is a type of cognitive error that humans very often make. And we know we could not stop that any more than we can stop run water running downhill. So there's, what I talk about is we first have to recognize that it's happening. So catastrophizing, that's a hard word to say fast is in the house. Like, Oh, interesting. It's happening again. And then we can try these, these ways to consider, well, first of all, the future has not been written. Let's just be there. So we stay there, then we think about other possibilities, and you can do one or all of these things. But it's also important to do a bit of a reflection. If I go back in time and consider all the times that I've catastrophized, how many times have they not come true? And that's because what we want to do is be a little gentler with this habit, a thought habit that comes up. And we either give it a big label with a capital C, I'm a catastrophizer, so now I've over identified with it. It's my gold medal event um, with something that happens and it is a habit and I can look at it cheerfully. And I use that word a lot because we want to stop the like massive judgment on it, too. You know, if my mind just goes there. Yep doesn't make me the worst person in the world. Oh my God, I'm catastrophizing again. So we, in the the Buddhists would call that shooting ourselves with the second arrow. So the first arrow is that we're already suffering because we've catastrophized, right? So we're already imagining worst case scenario, I'm going to be a greeter at Walmart for the rest of my life or something. And then we're like, fuck, I've catastrophized. That's the second arrow that we just put on ourselves in addition to what we just suffered from. So, Catastrophizing is gonna live in your little house for the rest of your life. But as Liz Gilbert would say, she wrote the books Eat, Pray, Love, and Big Magic. Little little sidebar on her. Big Magic came along because she had a complete collapse as a as a creator after having her sec what she thought was her second rate book Eat, Pray, Love become this international blockbuster with Julia Roberts starring in the movie. How do you recover from that? And so she had she writes this great book called Big Magic about how she recovered her kind of mojo as a creator. And she'll say things like, on my journey to life, doubt, and I would say in your case, Graham, catastrophizing, gets to sit in the car with me, but sits in the back seat and it doesn't touch my radio. I love the way she talks about it. Because we're gonna be there, but we just want it to be. We can work with catastrophizing. We don't have to catastrophize by catastrophizing, Yep. Because it it just makes us suffer unnecessarily. But but the the, the mistakes we make is think I've got to get rid of this. That ain't happening. Mm-hmm. Long answer to your short question. Is there anything that's coming up for you in response to that?
4: No, no, that was great. Thank you. And it was a, it was a rambling question to start with. Um, but no, I, I appreciate it. I, And I love the, you know, the awareness thing, which sort of precedes most of us choosing to think differently about stuff. I'm also wondering now about whether I can actually get Danette into the back seat and, and have her not touch the radio on the car. But that's probably a different podcast. A
2: different podcast, I imagine. Yes, let's move. Good on. luck with that one.
4: <laughs> it's a catastrophe already. <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, Awesome. Well, um, thanks so much, KP. These have been great answers um, and totally fascinating. And um, I love the um, lens through which you're t- uh, speaking to us today. It's great. It's totally interesting and fascinating. Um, I might throw to Alan now, um, just while we're on sort of this similar topic. Alan, tell us a little bit about your question and why you chose it as well.
3: Um, yeah, KP. My question was, how important is emotional intelligence when it comes to handling uncertainty, which I think we've covered off on fairly well. One thing coming to mind, listening, I guess, from Graham's question there, if if we're not going to be focused on on catastrophizing, I'm wondering what would you recommend we focus on. And the one thing I'm noticing here today is maybe playfulness.
2: That's a. That's I. I think when we can be playful. in in how we relate to the various elements of our minds. So, you know, minds, that's where we perceive thoughts and emotions and sensations. When we can... My favorite meditation teacher is a guy named Jeff Warren. And um, if you get a chance to listen to him, the reason I love him is because he makes meditation funny. You know, you think about meditation, it's this... uh, uh, And I, I can do it too. I can do the meditation voice like this. But he'll say things like if, if your mind, and we loosely can conceive of it as being between our ears, although technically it, we don't even know where it is, but if the space between our ears is a party, a rave, a, like a beer soaked, you know, like lampshades on people party and whose mind is not, then we are an affable host. Everyone, including the neighbor you don't really like with the bad beer is welcome. And so it, it's the in so it, I'm expounding upon your idea of playfulness here. That, yeah, catastrophizing is in the house. You know, um, when you ask, you know, like emotional intelligence, I will riff off that a little bit because I think emotions are in the house as well. But it's combining those two words, emotional intelligence, is the ability to discern how I'm feeling, and lots of times it's it's. We're, we're either unaware of what we're feeling um, or we love on certain feelings or we hate on others. You know, we have those really, so Jeff Warren's advice still goes here. We wanna know, I would argue, and we want to be equally welcoming of all emotions. And so when mm-hmm. you think about a time, when it comes to uncertainty, what, you know, the emotions like anxiety, worry, which are close cousins, maybe some anger, like what the fuck is happening here? Like COVID should not be, you know, I'm using COVID as the model of uncertainty. It's, its um, we want to be aware of it, that that's what's happening because of our hypervigilant minds. Uncertainty is like the, um, the you know, the worst thing for a hypervigilant mind because they're casting forward to understand what's going on and you're hitting this fog bank, I say. Um, mm. And okay, fog, we don't know. So the anxiety either ratchets up or we have to stop and, and not do this. So emotional intelligence is really important to to, to know what's, what's in the house. And there's lots of ways in which we can become friendlier, or more, even more playful. Um, may, playful may be a bridge too far for somebody who's really anxious, but to know it and to be with it. And the questions that I have people ask is like, what's happening? Because emotions are experienced in our bodies. We often th- think about them, but they're at first and foremost body sensations. And so you the first question is like, where is it? What you know, because it's not all me either, with the thing also we are sorry, this is a long answer. We are language conventions suggest that, you know, I am angry or I am afraid. And in fact, anger's in the house, fear is here, but it's not all of me. And I have people like, does your pinky feel fear, afraid? Generally, pinkies are fear free, whatever. So we want to know where it is, and then the question is, can I be with this? Like, and and like, sometimes the thought of being afraid makes us think, I I can't stand being afraid. But if I actually, can I be? and not always because if panic attack is really hard to be with but say it's i'm afraid for my kids future yeah i can actually be with this or is this is this okay to be with not is it okay because but is so when we can't i want it to be a shade warmer than tolerate you know like tolerate is like gritting my teeth and holding on but just accepting and allowing it to be here because it's not going anywhere so long answer to your short question, I think that's very important to have that kind of quality, um, that relationship around with our emotions, all the more because uncertainty revs us up so much. So thank you for the question. And is anything coming for you as a result of any of that?
3: I guess what I'm taking out of that, KP, is that if i using anger as the example, it's not all of me being anger, it's anger's in the house or there's fog out the window. And that's okay i can still focus on all the other things that i have in the house as well
2: yeah and i and i you know it's a kind of it's it's nice when those man- emotions are manageable but i with due respect for some people really struggle i don't want to make it sound like everybody just has to say hey it's in the house and i'm okay with it because it's not that it's and it can be freaking anger in particular can really like some people really struggle to hold on to it and how do i not punch a wall well, we're going to sit here and see how long you can go. Actually,
3: KP, One thing I'm wondering there, say, when you mentioned that, yeah, some people anger is overwhelming, hmm. I guess for, um, I'm not sure on the right terminology here, but for most people, is that, say a, a muscle we can build where you know, handles sort of strong emotions?
2: I The very things that we've been talking about are practices. Um, so again, I'm going to bang the drum of meditation for a moment because meditation teaches the qualities of focus, clarity, and this fancy Buddhist word called equanimity, which is this affable open heartedness to what's on offer. And the more that we practice meditation in our lives, that more that open hearted affability allows emotion, you know, like I can be angry and it's okay, like, and it, that's not even the word. It's just like anger's here. And it's that lack of reactivity we're after. Um, anger is an interesting one because what you want to do is be able to through uh, your own self-awareness, however you develop it, you want to catch it early. You want to, you know, you start to identify with awareness, the warning signs, because if, you know, it's kind of like a volcano. When, if, if, if you got, if you got struggles and it's erupting, good luck, you know, it's yes. it's a force of nature there. But if we can be more aware of what's happening, and that's, it sounds, well, duh. But I tell you, even like, I've had to work hard on recognizing, say, when I'm not at my best, like like there'll be times I'm not even aware of how I'm feeling. Mm. So this is a skill of really being able to sit and, and work on it. Oh, thanks, Kate. You're welcome. Oh, you're giving me all sorts of time to, <laughs> To talk. This is the best hour of my life. So. Yeah,
0: no, we're loving it. Um, and I might jump into my question and then I'll go to John just because uh, I, the, my question, I think, also brings in some other stuff about you that I also kind of wanted to touch on. Hmm. Um, so I guess mine and again, sorry, it's a bit of a longer one, but uh, you've talked in other places about athletes losing the ability to perform a task. They usually do easily purely because of a mental hurdle. Um, and I put for an example, an NBA player, or a WNBA player can no longer make a free throw for seemingly out of nowhere. You know, we see this happen sometimes with athletes. And I know you may have a personal experience with that, That I would love for you to jump in on. Um, does this happen outside of sport? And what is it a manifestation of? And then I guess the second part of that is, does is there any parts of long COVID without COVID that connect with that? <laughs> Sorry, long one there. <laughs> uh, long, long.
2: No, it's all right. I Because it's a really distinct two-part question. And I'm going to take the second part first to say, as we've discussed, long COVID without COVID reduces our capacities across the board. We're more fatigued, we're less able to, you know, our fuses are shorter, so we, we might kind of lose the plot a little bit earlier, make decisions be, can become harder. There's all sorts of manifestations of that. So if you can imagine something, some problem you're already having with performance of course, I would say that if I truly were in that space of reduced functioning because of long, long, as we're calling it, long COVID without COVID, it's going to be more difficult to find a way out. Um, so let's take the first part, because there's, there's two different conditions that I see in this space. One, the one in sport is called the yips, which is what you're talking about and what... I experienced as a softball player, um, so thank you for that wonderful addition to it. So how I got into sports psychology was that I was big jock growing up, well before I knew there was a field of sports psychology, but loved playing softball, um, was a pitcher for as long as I could remember, uh, went, well, actually transferred to a college where I could play, not for money, mind you, Division three, you know, pond scum sport, but nevertheless, it was college sport, and... Um, I lost the ability to throw strikes, uh, something and, you know, and the fact that nobody could really help me. We did all the normal technique stuff, um, you know, and people would say, well, it's all in your head. And I, that was that was like, period. OK, so I played first base and center field for the rest of my softball career, which made me think I do not want any athlete to go through that because I was highly identified in that role. And I, it really was a, a, a um, devastating blow at the time. Uh, And I still I don't I can throw slow pitch softball, but I was a fast pitch pitcher. So um, so thank you for that. (laughs) I get to recount that little thing. But for that, I wouldn't be a sports psychologist because I was bound and determined to get into the field. Um, So there's the yips where it's a long term or it, it can be short or long term, but it's usually something and you know and it happens more in sport than other places because it 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 seems to me i've not heard about it as it it's physical like meaning like when you're you know you can't the pitcher who can't throw to first base is having the yips the golfer who cannot putt anymore you know so there's something about usually fine motor control um goes and we could say it's a, a, a mental block doesn't help at all, but I don't I'm not really fully across the mechanisms. But another version of that is what we would call choking. And that's the intersection of any performance that we normally could do. And generally, it, it, we choke under uh, conditions of high perceived pressure. So it would so it it can look like testings high test anxiety when my mind goes blank. I know the material and I can't pull it up. Um, you see it in sport, you know, just the the weird mistake that you know an athlete wouldn't make. Um, Miss, like airballing a foul shot, for God's sake, you know, like that's, you know, you would think that'd be the easiest thing. No one's on me. I'm standing still. Everybody's waiting for me. And it's the same motion over and over again. And then I just can't do it because, the, you know, this the, we're tie score and it's the Olympic final. So in that kind of situation, what I do understand is that we have slow processing and fast processing in the brain. And our fastest processing is the limbic system, our emotional system, which are the ones that are most, Uh, influenced uh, by well they go first and let's say so our brains process emotions before thoughts and so if our emotional system is jacked into high gear and we get into the fight-or-flight situation where we are unable to stay relaxed fight-or-flight can lead to a condition say this is the brain that I'm showing you with my fist right here the limbic system is where my thumb is the this part of our brains which corresponds with our foreheads is the prefrontal cortex this differentiates us as humans from every other species on the planet because we're the only species as far as we know that can think about our thinking so right now like yeah, you know when i you know graham's comment on catastrophizing dogs don't think about their catastrophizing um, I could go on. But anyway, so what happens and when our limbic system, we get this what is called an amygdala hijack. So that's an organ in the limbic system that just goes into overdrive and it literally makes us flip our lid, so to speak. Which, and so this all goes offline. We're unable to think and that's the that's road rage. That's the deer in the headlights in a presentation. That's the mom picking up the car off her kid. Um, So amazing things can happen, both pro and con. But it's, you know, in sport in particular, coaches are like, choker, you know, stop choking. And what does that do fires up the the wrong system and the athletes even less likely to be able to perform so we have to get back into a relaxed state. So a big part of my job as a sports psychologist is to teach athletes and performers and people how to go from sympathetic or fight or flight into parasympathetic, which they call the rest and digest system. So I'm more likely to have the fluidity of movement in sport or to bring myself back into my body so that I can actually recall the facts as a test taker that I actually do have at my disposal.
0: Wow, what a great answer. And, um, It definitely brings up things for me. I do some stand-up comedy sometimes and I've had moments where I was doing uh, some some, uh, like a crowd-hyping job for a TV show and I had to entertain people for about 40 minutes because there was a tech delay and as that happened, my whole memory of all my stand-up I've ever done disappeared and I was like, what a great opportunity. Uh, I'm in front of 40 people and I have no material (laughs) and they want me to entertain them, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah. But you it. know,
2: I, what I liked about the, even that story, Jazz, is if you did this in the moment, like, wow, it's it doesn't seem to be here, as opposed to, fuck! You know, <laughs> like, that's, you I, know, I, because I, that, I,
0: yeah, no, I was, I was definitely in a fuck moment. I was like, okay, this is where we're here. I was like, do we have any lollies while I try and think of stuff that I can throw at the crowd? You know, um, but yeah, it was a uh, it, it definitely when you were talking about that, it definitely reminded me of that. Um, I might throw to John because I do want to touch on meditation and stuff, but I might do that with Kanika's question. Um, so let, let me throw to John. John, do you have any questions, um, today for KP? Yeah, sorry,
5: sorry, I'm late, everyone. Um, hello, KP, lovely to meet you. Just want to go back to you you're talking about right now. It's like this, and it's to me, it was it's almost creating a new norm all the time. So the new norm is constantly changing, and then accepting that new norm. And then you went on and talk and mentioned that we do not avoid we do not avoid what our minds put out there. I'm just wondering, wondering if you can explain that statement a bit further.
2: Okay, can you restate the question so I make sure I understand what you're asking me.
5: Yep. So you said we do not avoid what our minds
2: put out there. Yep. Can you explain that further? So let me ask you a question. Can we sure. pre-decide not to think a thought?
5: Can we pre decide not to think a thought? Like pre
2: decide before we've thought it, can we decide not to do it?
5: I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought so.
2: I wouldn't have thought so. And anyone who thinks they can, I you'd be making great money doing all sorts of things because and that's what the number one thing athletes want is like, I'm always thinking about losing. Teach me how not to do that. And it's like for last word you used is the first word that's going to pop into your head. So um, it's and it's sort of a short way of letting us know that we do our minds produce stuff by some measure. And you couldn't tell me how they got to this 50,000 thoughts a day, believe it or not. 90% Okay. 90% of them are, are reruns, by the way. I think that's hilarious. And it, like, like, just think about your own experience about the lo- loops we get into. Um, so it isn't about not thinking. And that's often just, just as a spoiler alert on meditation. People think, oh, that's what it's going to teach me. And because I'm thinking while I'm meditating, I must be a shitty meditator. Well, guess what? We all shit at meditation. As Joe Warren would say, we learn to shit marginally less. Um so it is the ability, because if, if we accept that reality, so many, you know, obviously we're not conscious of all 50,000 thoughts going on or that'd be crazy making. Some of them are just flicks and flitters, but we roll with it. You know, it's a very different attitude to what our minds bring to the table. Because the other question that we want to get really clear on is, are our thoughts true? And... I would argue, no, not all our thoughts are. But unfortunately, like with catastrophizing, oh my God, I'm going to go like, I'm going to come in last. We get hijacked by an, you know, a thought that we don't know. And that's the way of madness or of suffering or of where we get in our own way. So... I don't know if i'm if i'm answering your question john um but that's the kind of the the sense i have is that we control far less of what (laughs) goes on in our minds than we think but we can rewrite our relationship to the stuff do you have anything that's that's occurring that you want to kind of unpack oh oh,
5: no i'm perfect um look i've got a daughter that struggles with depression Mm -hmm. and i'm very much your statement right now it's like this: it's well, that's you accept and you move on and keep going. So it's just that trying to come, trying to balance where she's at with with things as opposed to where I'm at with things, and how do you, how do how do I shift her out of that? Um, or and I know I can't do that, but how do I help with that yeah. as opposed to just accepting and acknowledging and reiterating? Yeah, everything's shit. It's terrible. You know,
2: well let's. Looks- because there's a pessimistic outlook there's situational depression there's all sorts of different gradations of depression right into major depression mm-hmm. and i don't we, we i, w- I want to be careful here not to make depression sound like oh just think more positively and you can pop yourself out of it not knowing your daughter or where she is like depression you hear people who are depressed describe how it is and how hard it is to get out of bed or or see like see this hopeless future, you know? And it, so you, you know, and that's where we want to seek help. That's, you know, you're not gonna talk yourself out of that kind of thing, but a lot of, you know, God, you look at this world right now and I, I'm sure every generation would say that, right? Our world's so fucked, it's so terrible, I'm not gonna, you know, And but right now feels like a real, hard place for young people to look forward to. And um, like practices such as gratitude practices can be, so you're not saying snap out of it, but what we, there's really, I just wrote a post on this because I I was asked to, so I I can't say it. But um, in reading the research behind what that can do to actually rewire our brains to be more oriented to the good is pretty amazing. Um, so when we get into a habit of, you know, like you start out, if, especially if you're kind of a, um, a negative thinker, you can look at gratitude and go, that's only for people who are fortunate. I'd have got nothing going on here that I have to be grateful for. Well, let's just play this game for a while. All right, I'm grateful I got out of bed. I'm grateful I took a breath. I'm grateful for my dog. And maybe that's the first three days and then after a while when we persist with it we can actually like people say i move from not seeing anything to like everything is something to be grateful for like you just reorient your so i again not knowing your daughter i don't want to presume that any of this can be Mm -hmm. useful but i think i think the worst thing we can do as parents is because I've done it. I've tried to get my kid to meditate you know, she won't touch it with a 10 foot pole, mind you. Um, like, you know, be the one to reorient. So I think in the best thing I can say is you want to first try to understand from their perspective and really listen and meet them. Um, you don't always have to agree, but I know I've made this mistake of preaching (laughs) and i'm not presuming that's what you're doing but there's it's complicated when it's your kid i i often can come into somebody else's kid and make a big impact and the parents are like oh you're so great well i'm just not you you know
5: yeah yeah yeah
2: so anyway so i i don't know if that sort of gets it scratches some of the itch you had there but um
5: oh look to me to me it does come back to the i can't control her and it goes back to the what you can control and what you can't. I can't control her. I can't control her thoughts. But your comment there about be the one to reorientate, I can actually control me and I can, I can make a difference for the way I look at things or think about things or do things. So, yeah, that's, you know, I think that's a positive. Sense.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can I tell a little story about my, that experience for me? So, yep. Uh, again, my, my only child. Uh, we had spent three years going to various schools in the U.S. to out f- where she wanted to go to college. We made a commitment. We had one kid. You get to choose. And so it was a really a free choice lottery, Australia, U.S. She loved the U.S. campus experience, that whole marching band thing that you don't get in Australia. So she chose uh, UC Santa Barbara, God, killer view, stop me. Like I went to cornfield city as a college kid student, but anyway, she's all excited. You know, she's going to school in the U.S. We live in Australia until the reality of going over there to drop her off at school hit everyone, but her especially. Um, wow, this is happening and you get to campus and it's in full go binge drinking mode. You know, it pre-classes, she's not a big drinker, um, hookup city since I've gone to college. Everyone hooks up, not just the bad girls. And I like that was shocking to her. Um, I don't know. I didn't know if she was sheltered, I guess so. And so she's just getting onslaught with all these things that weren't what she thought was going to happen. And we're dropping her off. And we don't have a safe haven for her to go. Like, we don't live down the street so she can come home for a cuddle and a nice dinner the day we dropped her off in that parking lot and had to drive down to LA and then fly back to Canberra was like, I can't even tell you how devastating what? it was his parents. And she's usually the stoic, but you could see her lower lip. Oh my God. So we get in the car and I'm thinking, God, I get to that United lounge and I'm hitting the wine hard. I just, I need to cope with this. So all that having, we get to LA, get in, I stop myself and I actually sit down and meditate and lean in to this shit show that was going on for me. And by doing that, it be, there was certain things became clear to me that the most overriding emotion I was experiencing was guilt. And somehow I was taking responsibility for her pain. And I yeah. only I'm not saying this is happening to you, but it was a real deal breaker for or deal maker for me in the sense. I was like, wow, what am I guilty of exactly? my choice. You know, like how many people had the kind of opportunity to pick and even go to to go to college. And with that realization, it also hit me that had I not had that realization. So getting to your point, John, I would have been a shitty parent to her because the next phone call I would have had with her would get it would be getting her to tell me I'm a good parent.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? And so when I was able to sort of lighten that load for me, I was more there for her and I yeah. lost story. So it was and I was like, oh, my God, this meditation shit works. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it now. So thank you for because uh, I think, you know, this whole business about people we care about, how we can really be with them in ways that help them and not just help us or, you know. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Oh, good. No, thank you. Mm, well, I mean, what a thank you so much for sharing that, um, both of you. That was what, what a great conversation. So nice. And um, it was that was beautiful. I think um, just just for time's sake, we might just um, sort of go towards the end of the podcast now. Um, so I might go, um, Danette, any final thoughts from the conversation we've had today um, or just on long COVID without COVID?
1: I, um, I, two points I love that Kirsten shared were stop fighting reality because it's, you know, it is, we get crazy when we're trying to fight something that you have no control over. And the other bit was about the sticky emotional states sort of. And yeah, if, if they're sticky, then go and find someone who can support you through Mm -hmm. that. Cause I think that's actually super important, particularly that last part of the conversation too. Mm -hmm. So thank you. And great, great podcast. Thank you so much, KP.
0: Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with Jeanette there. Um, Al, I might go to you. Uh, any final thoughts on today's conversation or long COVID without COVID?
3: Yeah, I love that analogy of, yeah, we're going to have every sort of emotion in our head and or in us and, and that's okay. They'll all be there. And uh, and also that idea of, yeah, we don't have to get stuck on one. We can look around the room and yeah, focus on what else is available for us today. Mm. Thanks, KP.
0: And love that, Al. Thanks so much for um, today. Uh, John, I might go to you. Uh, final thoughts on long COVID without COVID or just the chat today?
5: Um, look, for me, it was a comment you made earlier, KP, about working a frictionless way. Um, if we can try and do that, I think that's got to be a positive thing. And um, you may only have one child. I've got four. If you want any more, more than happy to share. They're not kids anymore, but you know, they're, they're all right.
2: How generous.
5: I, I know, right?
0: love that thanks john and thanks for jumping on today great um great stuff today and graham final thoughts on long COVID without COVID or any other chat today
4: um how do you wrap all of that up that was amazing for me the standout i think is um remembering that we're not in this alone even though sometimes we choose to believe that that's the case it's a bit like, you know, the level of thinking got us here isn't going to get us to there. Hmm. The level of thinking or the thinking that got me into the hole in the first place is not going to get me out of it. Um, and that's why having a conversation with somebody else can be so important. So, KP, you're amazing. Thank you. Love this. Thank you.
2: Huh.
0: Yeah. And I want to echo everybody's thoughts. And I also want to th- say thanks to everyone for your questions and also just vulnerability today. I thought it was just great. Really good. Um, KP, any final thoughts that you have on today's conversation or long COVID without COVID?
2: Uh, you allowed me to plumb many depths today and, uh, and like take questions where I don't think you thought they would go. So I really, you know, I just enjoyed the questions. I haven't laughed this much all week. So I, that's been a huge bonus just, um, just in these times too. Right. So um, thank you all, you know, it, and, and I've never done a podcast where you get so many different kind of different perspectives on the same thing. And you guys stretch the way I would answer questions because you all are coming at it from your own perspectives. So that was, that was a blast. Like, um, I, I really enjoyed myself. So and, and I will say that I feel like this is what I've been put on the earth to do is to kind of help people understand all this, because I think we're I just I see so much suffering. So um, giving me a platform to spout out on this has, uh, is an honor. And, you know, it scratches big itch for me. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you so much, KP. It's been an absolutely amazing conversation. Um, so, like, like you were saying, there's so much depth to it. So much that I've taken away. So I really want to thank you for being on and being an amazing guest. Well, hopefully, we'll have you all on again at some point soon because that was really fun and really interesting.
2: Now, um, Jez, can you if you can edit this out? Yeah. But I have a product placement. I just am publishing Please. a book. Can I? Yeah, go for it. That'll be great. I was, I was trying to figure out where it was. Like that was what I was doing like So this is um this is my book. grit nice. it's not enough. And so it's it's around a lot of the themes that we're talking about here, so reworking mindset and purpose for easier effort and hard times. And um it's all around this concept of grit, passion and perseverance that Angela Duckworth made popular a few years ago, you know, that <clears throat> and when when that's not always useful. So um, it will be published mid-november available at a bookstore near you or something. <laughs> um, and, and but... K, KPI will do a book review on it once you do it. So we do video book reviews to go out to our in our newsletter. So well, thank you so much. I see Danette and I know each other because we you know I'm in this small business world and I'm commercially stupider than anybody else on the planet. So it occurred to me <laughs> and they oh I should I should say this thing. so thank you for letting me say it, and I welcome the opportunity to talk about it
0: absolutely and we'll also um we'll have a link to that as soon as that goes out as well so people can yep. go pick that yes. up and we'll let people know on a future podcast the week that it comes out so they can go pick that one up as well um uh, we're, so, we're so happy that people can if they want to learn more can go find this book uh yep. mid-november and pick it up and read more because i think i definitely will be after this conversation Um, uh, again i want to say thank you so much for being on to everybody that's been listening and sharing it we really appreciate it and as always have a magical week